When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rocket Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Nathan Hurst. This is Before the Box Score. It's a lovely spring day in February, and the basketball team sucks. So we're going to do a lot more football podcasts over the next couple weeks as we are in the first day of spring practice for your Missouri football Tigers with the black and gold game culminating in March. Uh, We'll be once a week as we hear things coming out of camp. We'll be talking about them. Just to give you something, because we know you're all antsy for good sports, and so far, Missouri football is good sports. Nathan Hurst, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, The temperature has dropped about 30 degrees in the last hour, so if you hear anything uh, through my microphone, it's just the uh, the trees blowing over my backyard as the cold front moves back in. We, We were teased in Columbia with a gorgeous February day. I'm sure that it was the same in St. Louis, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the case anymore here at eight o'clock on a, on Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, and it's only going to get worse. So <laughs> I apologize <laughs> if my power goes out halfway through because the, the trees are blowing out there right now. Yeah. Uh, credit to Matt Michaels on Twitter. Uh, he found a weather guy who was talking about the largest uh, temperature drop in history when it was like 87 degrees on November 11th, 1911. And then it dropped down to freezing and zero degrees in that same day where it went 60 degrees down in like an hour. So, uh, yeah, not as bad as that, but right up there. Um, yeah, well, welcome to Missouri. We got the weirdest weather patterns in the world. But not a bad day to have a have a first practice outside, though. I'd imagine Boy, that's where they were. I mean, I saw all the beat writers com- uh, commenting on the lovely weather that they were experiencing. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good day to start it off. And, of course, they did start it off. Uh, if you were on the socials, you saw plenty of pictures, plenty of videos. Uh, Brady Cook breaking the team, doing uh, Tiger Jacks in the field, doing all their various exercises and drills that you do in spring because that's all it really is. There's not a whole lot of football there. And, of course, the speaking circuit kicked back up. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz spoke with the media, as did Kirby Moore, as did our new defensive coordinator, Corey Batum. Uh, we sat, <laughs> sat and listened to it all. Uh, for you, uh, because you know that's what we're here to do, and I am uh, happy, sad to say that there's really not a whole lot to share, but there are a few nuggets that we pulled out that we are going to talk about today. Uh, turn those uh, 20 minutes of actual talk into hopefully an hour show for you to enjoy Missouri football. So let's get down to the big one. Uh, obviously, we got a new defensive coordinator. We got a lot of new defensive imports through the transfer portal as well. Losing you know, five of your top eight defensive linemen isn't great. Losing your two starting linebackers, even though the backups are pretty good, you're not sure how that's going to look. Losing all those secondary to the NFL essentially is not great. And so the, the the question is mostly revolving around defense. Those are the most questions around a team that people are picking to be a dark horse uh, playoff uh, candidate as we get into the 12-team playoff. So the big thing seemed to be, what is this defense going to be? Right at, at the highest level, how are they going to be deployed? How are they going to be used? You and I spoke about this a month ago, 
uh, Corey Batoon has used three-man fronts before in his previous schemes. He has kept the five defensive backs usually as a base defense, but how is he going to deploy that front? How is he going to deploy the linebackers? Uh, we asked it. We thought he was probably going to go 4-2-5, and it seems like the answer is what we said last time. It's a lot easier to make one millionaire change his what, the way he does things than 53 college kids change the way they do things. So Corey Batum will be deploying a 4-2-5 defense for your Missouri Tigers. Uh, as they always say, the the words might be a little different, and obviously how the, the rhythm of the game and how he calls plays is going to be different, but it sounds like Mizzou's sticking with the 4-2-5, which at this point might just be a drink with stable. So, Nathan Hurst, how do you feel about this? I mean, I think it makes all the sense in the world. It's uh, it's what they've recruited to. They've recruited to a 4-2-5. Um, they've got uh, those positions filled. They've got the talent trained to that. The, the, the returning players are trained to that system. Um, so, I mean, that it, it's kind of the obvious move. That said, I'm sure that he's going to move things around. He's going to, you know, uh, might, we might see a few plays here or there where we, they've got a three-man front um, just to switch it up, to, or depending on the matchup, depending on uh, the, the the offense that he's going against. But to have the base be what it has been makes all the sense in the world. That also sounds like, according to Drinkwitz, that uh, they're going to keep a lot of the terminology the same uh, beyond keeping the actual base defense the same, keep a lot of the terminology the same, which makes it that much easier for everyone to get up and rolling faster if only one guy, as you said, has to learn some new words as opposed to 50 people plus all the other coaches have to learn Batoon's words. So that, that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, he'll have, I'm sure he'll have tweaks here and there. Uh, Drinkwitz mentioned yesterday, uh, for example, they're changing the name of one of their positions uh, on the boundary end to the Joker position is what it's going to be called now. Um, so, you know, just little things like that, which are, you know, I'm sure they can learn in one, one meeting's worth of time to, to switch over. Um, but it, it, it makes, it makes sense. Batoon's a smart guy. I'm sure he can, he can switch a few words in his brain, uh, and, and call, but still call the plays that he wants to play or wants to call just maybe using a different language. Yeah. And keep in mind, DJ Smith, to my knowledge is still co-defensive coordinator. Um, so he has been in a role, um, like kind of more of like a Lieutenant probably, but, uh, a guy who has been in this defense since Eli Drinkwitz got here. Uh, so that means he has been with Ryan Walters. He's been with Steve Wilkes. He's been with uh, Blake Baker. And now he is with Corey Batoon. So if anything gets weird, you know, there's a there's a institutional knowledge that Batoon can fall back on in Smith. Um, and, and you know, if he needs to correct him, he's like, hey, no, you know, we're not we're not calling that fluffy. It's called snowball, you know, or whatever the hell we're, we're doing here. Like, you know, it's all whatever. I, I do. I just remember, you know, talking to uh, a coach at the at the D2 level a long time ago that I knew him. And they said that they're installing plays and like, it's, it, it's so silly how some of these things get named. He was signaling in like this uh, for a play. And they're like, it looks like you're picking your nose. And so they call it booger. So the, the package was called booger. And whenever he would do this, all right, we're running booger. And like, that would, it, these guys are football players. Okay. They're, this is not like rocket surgery and they're not coming up with, you know, codes that the nazis can't break it's very silly very easy stuff because again you have limited practices and you're 18 19 20 years old so it's got to be something that you can pick up quick memorize quick and click in your mind uh when you're in the heat of a game and, and trying to remember stuff so yeah i think it's going to be okay um so that kind of answers the big question not that it was a huge one uh but you're not going to see 
a huge shakeup of, of what Missouri is going to do, particularly because there's not as many linebackers and there seems to be a lot of talent that they brought in on the defensive line that, that likes to play very set four man front. So it'll be good. It'll be fine. Uh, it is interesting to hear, you know, it's almost the kiss of death of Eli Drinkwitz mentioning somebody in spring ball. He brought up Towski Dove in his first year. Or sorry, he no, yeah, it was Tom Tasky Dove. Um, you know, no, sorry, it was Kiki Chisholm in his first year, and then of course Kiki did nothing. Uh, he st- he talked about like JUCO guys and transfer guys who you know, like Ben C. Polgar was mentioned one time, and then just, where did he go? And, and actually, last year Tristan Newsom was the one guy who kind of broke it, uh, who got better as the year went on. Uh, so I'm always a little apprehensive of guy who makes first impressions. But Eli Drinkwitz took the time to say that Drayden Norwood. Dear old Drayden Norwood, uh, our third, basically third cornerback, uh, who would come in and spell Ennis Rakestraw and well, Chris Saban's dream never left the field. So he was Ennis Rakestraw's backup. He's apparently uh, head and shoulders above all the other corners uh, on the roster right now in spring, in the first practice. So take that with as many grains of salt as you want. But keep in mind, the current cornerback room outside of Drayden Norwood is Toriano Pride, blue chipper from East St. Louis. Marcus Clark, who's been here for this will be his third year. Uh, Shamar McNeil and Nick Deloach, who were freshmen last year. And then, of course, uh, Cameron Keyes and Jaron Sensabaugh are the freshmen coming in. But uh, uh, our eternal uh, guy who can't find a position, Jamarian Wayne, is now uh, a corner as well. So these are things you are looking for, the, the names that splash, the kind of guys you want to track as you go on. Uh, and it's good to hear that the guy who has, uh, gosh, five, 600 and 77 snaps as Missouri Tiger is obviously clearly the best corner. That's kind of, it makes sense, but it's also something that you want to hear, right, Nathan Hurst? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, he's, he's who we had identified as being the the leader in the clubhouse for uh, for best cornerback coming in. We kind of had already penciled him in as a starter uh, back a few weeks ago, the last time we, we talked about the secondary. Um, he also, I mean, he called out Marcus Clark as, uh, as being a guy that, you know, had – several interceptions and, and plenty of playing experience too. So um, I think he, I think he feels fairly comfortable with at least the top line guys that he's got with Toriano pride coming in as well. Um, very interesting to see Jamarian Wayne uh, try to take the, the uh, Abrams drain path of switching from the offense to the defense. I think he's, he was always recruited as an athlete uh, mm-hmm. 6 two, 195 out of St. Louis. He's a four-star guy. Um, I think he probably looked at the wide receiver room and saw how how deep that was but he's the type of athlete i think that could find his way on the field he's a big dude for cornerback which isn't necessarily a surprise for this program um bigger than abrams drain was that's for sure so um it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can make that transition to cornerback uh which is a very different skill set but if he's the kind of athlete that he's hyped up to be i i think he could you know maybe see, start seeing the field maybe even in, on special teams uh, to start, you know, if he's going to be hitting guys and running down, running down and, and chasing people on punt, punt returns and stuff like that. So I could see him getting on the field just because he's a good athlete. Yeah. Uh, Jamarian Wayne signing out of high school made me very excited for exactly what you said. He's just, he's a very good athlete and there's just never been a home for him. I, I you know, 22, he was, uh, playing with the safeties, like you said, 23, he was taking reps with the receivers, and now we're in 24, and he's at the corners. I just, God, I just want it to work. You know, you always want the hometown kid to do well, and th- especially this one, who flashed so many different skill sets 
in high school and you go, wow, you can put that guy anywhere. And he just keeps getting into these position groups that are stock full of NFL talent. And you're like, damn, dude, come on. Um, I'm really curious what he can do as corner. When, when you watch his tape in high school, you could see him as a safety, kind of a rangier guy, not so much a hitting guy, but like kind of play play that center field role, chase down a guy who leaks out and, and swat it away or, or bring him down. Uh, I think his coverage skills are good, and I think he was really smart uh, route runner as well, which should help him, um, you know, match up with corner or with uh, with receiver when he plays corner. I just don't. I have not seen his closing speed. I don't know what his what his shuttle speed is going to be. Like he just, you don't know these things. But again, he's stepping into a position group once again where you have established, for lack of a better term, but Drayden Norwood and Marcus Clark who've got the reps, and then a blue chipper and Toriano Pride. I mean. <laughs> If you see, if we get out of spring, we get into fall, and you see Drayden Norwood one, Marcus Clark two, and then you see Jamarian Wayne just right down there on the floor, I'm just going to feel disappointed. <laughs> I can't help it. I just want a guy to see the field. I, I mean, what do you think are the chances that he could he could break into the top two at this point? The top two as in a starter? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it's pretty slim this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, he's only a – I think a redshirt sophomore at this point. He hasn't. He's the third year. Really yeah. seen the field, so he's got two or three more years to do cornerback and actually spend a couple of years developing. I, honestly, I think it'd probably be a be a result of a of an injury here or there if that were to if that were to be the case. Um, just because we got Clark and we got Norwood and we got Pride, uh, that all seem to be you know a, a step above at this point. Um, but I, I think, he, I mean, as I said, I, he can see the field in, in special teams if he's that kind of an athlete, get some experience hitting guys, tackling at this level. It's different than tackling in high school, and he hasn't tackled anybody at an SEC level yet. Um, so that, that might be the way to, to wet his beak, um, maybe get him in on some, get him in on some, uh, um, uh, hopefully quite a few reps on uh, uh, blowouts <laughs> if we had those oh, early in the year. Yeah. Um, get him on the field there um, just just to just to get him some game reps because he's now going into his third year doesn't have any game reps um, so if he if he's going to make a difference down the road he needs to start start getting those as a starter though it would as I said it would probably mean a bad bad things that were uh, that were dealing with some injuries yeah yeah and which happened I mean you know, knock all the, the wood in the world but you know relatively speaking Missouri has been very lucky when it comes to injuries. You have not, I mean, yes, you can point to the quarterbacks since Eli Drinkwitz came here. And, and, you know, I still count Brady Cook as not like, not like super injured, <laughs> not injured like we're used to, but like he did have a messed up knee for most of the year, but he could still play with it. Like you, other than quarterback, you've been pretty lucky with, with injuries where you haven't had multiple starters go down for an extended period of time or a guy that you were banking on playing just missing the entire year. Um, I mean, you could probably point to a Chad Bailey or maybe you point to, you know, a couple of losses like Bency Polgar was kind of out of nowhere, but like injury wise, we've been very lucky uh, for the past couple of years. And at some point that is going to turn. It happened to Gary Pinkle. It certainly happened to all the programs in the, in the country and it's going to happen to, to us at some point. So it's, it's, it's out there and you never know when the injury bug is going to bite hard. Uh, but you have to be prepared. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, the other news that was kind of the big takeaway uh, from these 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 press conferences is that Eli Drinkwitz kind of vocally called out Caden uh, Green as as a player he was excited about coming in from the transfer portal, 
and it said that he was a he was a guy who provided a lot of versatility, but is a guy they're looking to uh, uh, trying out at left tackle, uh, replacing Javon Foster, who will probably be in the NFL next year taking uh, playing the game. So, as we know, Caden Green was at Oklahoma last year, and Oklahoma will tell you it was tampering. I'll tell you that Oregon t- contacted him first, and Missouri closed the deal. But however you want to break it down. It seems like Caden Green was upset that he was getting reps at guard and not tackle. People got in his ear to leave, and Missouri's, for whatever reason, won either with NIL or we'll let you play tackle. So here we are. We kind of we anticipated Caden Green getting looks at left tackle. Uh, whether that is his best position or not, he's probably going to be the second best tackle on Missouri's roster right now. Uh, so I'm not obviously nothing is set in stone in spring, but Hurst, we've got a left tackle and it's the guy that we always thought it was going to be. How happy are you about that? I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I think uh, stepping in, he's got the most talent, probably the highest pedigree of anyone that's on the, on the offensive line. Uh, Mimbu has really grown into himself and he was a, you know, had some pretty good pedigree coming out of high school too, but um, he's, he's really entrenched himself on the right tackle side so if, if Green could just match his his production on the left side, I think we're going to be in really good shape. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if he's necessarily been given the starting job yet. I mean, I would hope that I would imagine he'll he'll be competing with some other guys for that left tackle spot. Um, I think Drinkwitz was mainly saying he's going to play at left tackle, compete with the guys for left tackle as opposed to left guard, which he has played more in. in uh, uh, last year, he played more at guard. I mean, I think the, the great thing is, the worst case scenario, if he doesn't doesn't win the job at left tackle, I can guarantee he's going to win the job at left guard. Um, <laughs> that because he, he's going to be he's going to be a, a starter on this offensive line somewhere. I think giving him giving him the the opportunity to win the spot that he wants to win, which sounds like what that's what uh, he really wants to. And I, who can blame him? That the left tackles are the guys that make the most money of anybody on the offensive line mm-hmm. at the next level. Um, so it, give him the every opportunity in the world to win that job. If he does, that's awesome because that means he's the best guy for the job. If not, he can just bump over to the left guard spot uh, and and still make your solid a solid line because that also means whoever beat him out for left tackles is pretty good too. Absolutely, you know, it, offensive line coaches will talk about this all the time. You got to put your best five out there, and if that means somebody plays out of position, then so be it. You got to put your your best five combo out there. And that's not just like, that's not just skill, right? It's not just, oh, this is the most athletic guy or, you know, here, here's our, literally our best offensive lineman. That's obviously usually that, but like think back to, think back to 2013, that weirdo offensive line that featured a walk-on that was playing 80 pounds over his actual weight uh, at the SEC level is because they worked really well together. It was a solid unit. Now, they also had four guys who ended up in the NFL and are still in the NFL, to my knowledge. Uh, but, like, that that was part of it. Um, but they also just played really well together as a unit, and that's what you really need first and foremost. Now, if that unit also has NFL-level talent on it, better, awesome. Let's do that, too. Uh, but they got to be able to play together well. They have to be able to know how each other work. So, you know, if you're looking at this from a replacement-level standpoint, your center is probably going to stay the same, Connor Tolleson. He of the errant snap, but he is your pretty good center. Um, other than that, then you got Cameron Johnson, who is coming back for his sixth year. Uh, he did very well last year. Also, he of the 
random false start, but it's okay because it didn't kill us too hard. Uh, Armand Mimbu, as we talked about, is probably going to be your starting right tackle. That dude is also very versatile. Could probably play guard if you needed to, but uh, he was an excellent tackle. So it's all on your left side. You're placing two sixth-year players, one of which will definitely be in the NFL next year. Um, so let's look at the options. We talked about left tackle first. Eli Drinkwitz mentioned Caden Green's probably going to get every chance in the world to win left tackle. Perfect. What's behind him? Let's refresh our offensive line uh, flashcards here. <laughs> you got Javen Richardson, who is a, uh, a JUCO product coming in this year, 6'7", 305. Uh, did not really play a ton at Hutchinson Community College, but he's a big body. Right after that, you have Mitchell Walters, who is in his fifth year, if I remember correctly, out of uh, Melville High School in St. Louis. That is a dude who is mostly played guard, but he is also 6'8", 327. Uh, and you usually put your tall guys out on the outside, but he's really got a guard skill. So I don't know if that's going to be your guy. You have Brandon Solis, who is a redshirt freshman. Again, 6'7", 6'8", depending on the day. Uh, but hasn't yet to see the field in any serious way. Um, Logan Reichert, who is guard sized, but or sorry, tackle size, but guard skill. And then Caleb Pyfrom, who will be a uh, freshman coming in from Omaha, Nebraska. So of the guys that just I'm projecting as potential tackle spots, is Caden Green really? Maybe you could argue Mitchell Walters. What do you what do you think from that left tackle spot? How would you how would you power rank those guys? Yeah, I think Walters is probably the the best bet, at least you know, to give him give him any kind of a competition out there, just based on his experience. Um, of all the guys uh, out, outside of the, st- the starters returning from last year, he by far has the most experience. Not only because he's been around for a long time, but he's actually uh, had some starts on the line at guard. Uh, but uh, last year he was um, Armand Mibu's backup the whole season. I don't think he really ever got on the field. Just Five snaps. Mim- <laughs> thank, um, thank, thank goodness. Knock on wood, Mimbu stayed yeah. very healthy. Yeah. Um, but it it would make sense. I mean, if he's if he's right there, I think he also kind of slotted in behind Foster too. If if Foster would have gone down, so he was kind of the third tackle um, on, on the roster. So I think he's going to have the best bet of uh, giving him a run, uh, Green a run. I'm I'm not sure if he's got the uh, got the the talent and the athleticism that, that Green does. So I, I'm not sure if he's going to win that out. But he's probably going to be right there. Reichert, I think. Could I mean he's probably has the most talent of any of the guys that have kind of been sitting on the bench. That said, I think he probably has a better shot at, at uh, winning the winning the guard spot at least this year. Um, one guy you didn't mention who I think also will 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 uh, will, will factor in there is Tristan Wilson. I don't think he'll necessarily factor in for for tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about guard more in a little bit, but um, I think he's a returner that that did get some some playing a little bit of playing time last year as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were to ask me, like, based off of nothing but what I've seen, and all a lot of these guys have just been yeah, backups and practice guys, you you want your blue chippers to do well. You want to get them on the field because, in theory, they have a higher ceiling than anybody else. Uh, so that leads you to think, yeah, Logan Riker should probably get a lot of shots at possibly playing guard, Caden Green, too. But, man, I really like Tristan Wilson coming out of high school. He, he played at Lebanon, just like Justin Britt. He was a mauler with a mullet. Like, he played nasty. He looked nasty. He is just – he is a guard, man. He is a eat beef all day, you know, sleep, fart, drink football, just, you know, 
that is a dude that you want. You want a nasty, nasty dude on the inside. And I love the way that Tristan Wilson played. I At this point, I kind of feel like he probably has the inside track at guard. But to your point, Logan Reichert, man, that dude is a mauler dude. And he is a large human being. I remember Darius Robinson said he was like the, he was the biggest man he's ever seen in his life. And he was 18 years old. <laughs> You're just like, oh my God. Um, and so you want that. You want that too. I, there's just, you know, and even on the other guard spots, like you got Curtis Piegler, who on his own is 6'4, 357, uh, you know, as a redshirt freshman. You have just big dudes, big, big dudes. And then you got, you know, a little bit of experience here and there. You know, a guard. I would be happy with Wilson or Reichert or, or Green, but I'm assuming he's going to be tackle. Really, it's just, you know, especially last year, Mizzou got really lucky because they played basically five offensive linemen. Was Marcellus Johnson there in a pinch? Yes. Did he play barely more than Mitchell Walters? So, like, ah, you you got away with playing just five. You got to have something, uh, and I don't really know what's behind them, but if you told me, let's see, if I if I – Tell me what you think of this. Going left to right, Kanan Green, Tristan Wilson, Connor Tallis, and Cameron Johnson, Armand Minbu. Is that an acceptable SEC offensive line to you? Definitely. I mean, I, I think Wilson's the one guy there that has something to prove on that line, but I, th- I think he um, I think he could do that. He he played a little bit. Uh, he, well, let's see. He played in the Arkansas game. That was a blowout. I think that was mainly um, – mainly uh garbage time but he did he did step right in in the cotton bowl for a few plays thankfully not too many plays delgado went down just for a few i think he turned an ankle or something and went out for a few plays and wilson slotted in and we didn't have any huge sack fumbles in that in that time so that was nice yeah. I, I think that i think that would be great uh honestly whoever wins i think i i, I think the guard stops i'll come down to reichert and wilson um reichert might ultimately end up at tackle uh whenever there's a, an open spot whether that's you know, next year after Mimbu uh, graduates, um, I think that's where his ultimate position is. But they, they may be just trying to get him on the field and get him experience because they know down the road he's going to play. So I think it'll really come down between those two guys. And whoever wins, I'll, I'll trust Brandon Jones to to make that to make that call as to who's best. But um, I'd, I'd be totally totally happy with either of those guys. One guy I'm really interested. In, I, I don't think he I don't think he's going to play just because there's so many people ahead of him, but. Uh, if you watch any of Taylor Chandler's uh, highlights, um, it was a snuff film. Uh, it was <laughs> yeah. he was murdering dudes. Yes, it was for uh, Nevada, uh, not the not the highest caliber of, of competition, but I felt really bad for whoever he was having to block on a, on a regular basis. So if there was any of the any of the freshmen that could you know somehow just really impress, thankfully they're all all the freshmen are here this spring on campus practicing. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. That's great. I don't. I don't know if that necessarily translates to them seeing any playing time this year, um, but they're all going to get the early playbook. They're going to get the uh, those early reps with the the weight and weights and training and everything. Um, so that's great. I, I'm not sure anyone will see the field, but I really liked what, what I saw with Chandler. It was no. just it, it was kind of painful. I felt sore afterward. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... I don't know how often people go and watch high school film. And obviously it's a lot easier now than it used to be because everybody's got a huddle page and they just throw it up there and you can take a look. Um, obviously you've got, you know, kind of the legendary high school tapes. Um, you know, Warren Sapp uh, I've heard is, is just unbelievable to watch. Um, just, it's like, a, it's, they, it's like a grizzly bear in pads, you know, and that was when he was 17, 18 years old. Um, 
So, you know, you're going to get those every once in a while. And, and, and truly like, even, even from this crop, Taylor Chandler was a lot of fun. Um, the one that just made me like literally chuckle out loud was Courtney Crutchfield. I don't know the quality of the caliber of Arkansas high school football, but that dude was just roasting white boys over and over and over again. And I was just like, this is, how do you not have 3000 yards pick catching at this point? Like it, it was incredible to watch. Um, Someone's got so, to throw it to him, I guess. They probably didn't have well, the best, the best I mean, yeah, yeah, that's 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 a fair point. Um, but yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. And if you just pop on their rivals or pop on their huddle, you can watch it. And there there are some gems out there. And and certainly Taylor Chandler, a guy who started, um, if I remember correctly, like kind of at the beginning of like the summer before his senior year, he was like a five point five kind of middling three star, and worked his way almost damn near four star um like like Dion sanders wanted him and you know Dion just sees stars in his eyes and wants you know talent at any cost uh and of course missouri was able to flip him away from colorado and bring him in so that was pretty cool um so yeah, yeah that's a fun one and yeah I, you know, I don't know like they also have you know ryan jost uh was a tight end for a long time and then he got really big hit a growth spurt and became an offensive lineman that's if he keeps his athleticism with his size, that's a really interesting play. I don't know how that's going to work out on the offensive line. And of course, you know, Brandon Solis is super tall. And <laughs> like, there's, it's an interesting group. There's not, there's a lot of like, obviously you have your clear cut talent and starters. And then there's just a lot of projects underneath that. Well, I mean, this just came to mind. Does Missouri need to get another offensive lineman from the portal when it opens back up in May? I mean, I, I, offensive line is one of those positions where you're always going to be looking for for another guy, if, if for no other reason, just to have depth, because uh, you're all, just one one running back getting rolled up on the back leg, back of the leg of, of a guy, and, and you're and you're all of a sudden screwed and out of a, out of one of the key core members of your team. Uh, you you know, it's just like that. So you're always looking for for more guys. I think it's kind of uh, going to be dependent on who's available and if it's somebody worth worth making the push for. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we've got we've got a pretty we'll have a pretty solid starting five, and as you mentioned, all the all the other guys are kind of developmental pieces, which is what you want to have. You want to have guys that are in the system developing, so that when they're juniors, when they're seniors, they're ready to go, and just kind of keep that pipeline going. Um, but I'm not really sure if we have a great second line of defense. We got the mm-hmm. the five. We'll have five, maybe six guys that I think will, would be would be worthy of, of of competing well in the SEC. But once you get below those six. If God forbid there are a couple injuries, you know, you've got like a, a Javen Richardson who hasn't played a lot. He's kind of a depth piece. He had a really nice offer list out of JUCO. I mean, mm-hmm. A lot of SEC teams were, you know, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss were after, were, you know, offered him. So uh, they see something in him. I think he's a bit another big duty, six, seven. Um, but I'm not sure if, if he's a guy you're really comfortable throwing in there uh, at left to right tackle um, if you, if you don't have to. So, if someone's available, sure. I mean, we we know we've already talked about quarterbacks going to be the number one transfer transfer target. If they get no one else besides another quarterback, I think we'll be happy. But um, you, you're never going to turn down, never going to turn down an offensive lineman that wants to come in. Yeah. And look, SEC starting caliber offensive linemen do not go in the portal. That's you hold on to those guys. So even if there is one that you're interested in, yeah, it's. It's not. It's not great. And, and like, you cannot build an offensive line from the portal. I think Colorado taught us that. You can supplement, 
you can, you know, add depth or, you know, get a spot start, like a replacement level starter, but you can't build an offensive or defensive line out of the portal. That's one of the reasons why Colorado stunk it up last year. So, you know, luckily Missouri doesn't need to do that. But it, I think personally for me, I would feel a lot better if you had even, you know, like a, a G5 guy who had three years of starting experience just slot him in. Kind of like Marcellus Johnson last year, right? Four-year starter at Eastern Michigan, brought him in. Like, oh, okay, if something weird happens, at least we got a starter who's like, you know, he's established and knows what he's doing. He's old. He's got his routine. You can trust that sort of thing. So. I'm with you on that. Find somebody that, that you like, that you think they can, you know, maybe isn't like hundred percent ready, but it's got the experience just to give you something. Uh, so I would, I would be on board with that as well. And that's really what made Caden green, such a diamond in the rough find. I mean, Seriously, you, you don't yeah. see, you don't see five-star offensive linemen who are starting their freshman year for a power five team, a, a, a tier, a blue blood power five team like Oklahoma leave. They don't let them leave. They'll give them, you know, they'll throw all sorts of money at them. So, uh, to keep him, to keep him, especially these days in NIL, so that just doesn't happen. So to get that a, a guy like that is is such a boon. I mean, I, I I really don't really want to know what we'd be thinking about our offensive line if that if we didn't get a, get a guy like that. Uh, would <laughs> yeah. be it'd be a different it'd be a different story. Uh, we'd be a little more nervous about what, what that left side is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, very lucky. Lucky that he entered, and then well, <laughs> lucky that he entered, and then just lucky that we got him. Um, you know, he, he got on the open market and he could have gone anywhere and he went to Missouri. So that's cool. And thank you, Dan Lanning, uh, Missouri product for getting in his ear and saying, you should go somewhere else. Like really appreciate all that legwork that you did for us, man. Like M I Z forever. Love you, buddy. Um, man, I think that's it. Like I know, 30 minutes, but like, there's just really not a whole lot that we're going to learn in spring ball. You're going to see the team play at some point. You're going to get little tidbits here and there. Uh, obviously Drinkwitz is going to stand in front of the mic and drop names like he usually does. And we'll overreact to it because again, basketball sucks and it's spring. We got, we got to focus on something. So um, focus on gymnastics or focus on softball. Softball's good. Uh, Nathan, you're a baseball guy. How's baseball doing right now? Well, they just lost to SEMO tonight, eight to three. So Uh, uh, yeah, uh, we're not going to talk about baseball anymore on here. Okay. Softball, softball, and softball. softball. Hey, softball's strong. They're strong. And isn't hockey like in the the playoff? What do they call it? The Frozen Four, or whatever it's called. No, I mean, Missouri just got a club team, so Frozen oh, Four is, is the NCAA level. So, gotcha. I mean, if we were to ever get an NCAA team, they might be good. But if we're going to spend money on programs, I might as well spend it on the ones we already have. That's my yeah. Look, man. Look. It's a sports team that is frisky online and seems to be pretty good and beats they beat the hell out of Kansas. They beat every Kansas time. every year. So it's like, the, the, yeah, they could. <laughs> it's like 25, 25 to seven. Like it's not even, they're not even, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest hockey guy. I don't, I don't follow it professionally, let alone on the collegiate level, but I feel like Missouri hockey just scores touchdown levels of points every single time they go out there. So, Maybe I need to check out a game because uh, they seem to tear it up and they're fun. So um, uh, takeaways, uh, support zoo hockey, gymnastics, softball, and uh, hopefully we figure out who our athletic director is in the next couple of weeks. I know there's a conclave that met today about something special or tomorrow. I don't know. We'll figure out when we figure it out. Nathan Hurst, final thoughts, parting words, words of wisdom. What do you got? 
I'm just I'm excited that, that there's some some kind of football back. It was a very lean two months, and we've got at least something something new or interesting maybe to talk about. It's never the most exciting, but it's football, so it's going to be more exciting than anything. Um, it, listening to Drinkwitz's presser on uh, uh, Monday, um, it seemed like the big message he was pushing towards the team was last year is is gone. We can't be complacent. We can't sit on what we accomplished last year. We have to move for, move forward. This is a new year, and that starts here in the spring. He did mention, uh, which I thought was really interesting, that uh, he felt now, looking back on it, the defense from last year really did kind of fall into a complacency. They had a, such a great 2022. Um, he felt that they were they may not have taken the spring practices super seriously, which may have contributed to the little bit of a slow start that they had uh, in the fall. So hopefully he can take that message deliver that uh, to the team, get them to buy in. And and in this case, it probably, I feel like the defense is going to be pretty focused this year with the new coach having to learn, you know, learn some new ropes. Maybe he has to take that, that message to the offensive side of the ball, make sure those guys are, are focused and, and uh, not sitting back and thinking that it's just going to come easy to them uh, th- this next year. Yeah. Nick Saban was at his happiest when he had, when he had something to coach. And I think a lot of football coaches, they just, they want, they want something bad to go wrong so they can so they can coach it up. So that's a good place to be at. And that's a good place for us to be at because that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He's at Burst to Hearst. And, of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. C-O-U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more just like it beamed directly into your personal device, just click the subscribe button below. Uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone or the Google Podcast app for Android or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams, Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL, whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.